The Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, Episode 80. The busiest international flying route in the world is between Hong Kong and Taipei, with 4.8 million passengers annually. That's a lot of unhappy people stuck in the middle seat. Hello, travel nerds, and welcome to the Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, the show that'll teach you how to travel more while spending less. I'm your host, Travis Sherry, and joining me today is a man in the woods of Norway, a cabin in the woods of Norway, Jason Moore. It's true. It's like you can get internet anywhere now, right? I can't even believe we're able to do this. No, man, it's good to be back. Thank you for having me here. Yeah, we're recording a podcast. You're literally sitting. I mean, I'm looking at your background. It is a wood cabin. You took me on a little tour of the outside of it. It's it's a cabin with a grass roof in the, you know, rural parts of Norway. That's insane. Yeah, it's uh, my wife's Norwegian, and her mother lives actually right across the street from here. And I, yeah, I gave you a little tour. It's uh, it's my version of N- MTV Cribs, I guess, Norwegian style. It's uh, it's an awesome place. I've really enjoyed being here. We just moved, and it's it was crazy. So it's good to be settled in, man. I'm I'm really loving it. And looking at the mountains, doing a podcast with my buddy Trav here. Life couldn't get any better, man. It's it's in, it is insane that we can get internet almost anywhere. I just recorded a show earlier that had a really bad Skype connection, and that person was in Asheville, North Carolina. So <laughs> I don't get how these little waves go across the oceans and stuff and work out. I, I I've always been fascinated. I'm befuddled by the fact that sometimes there's awesome internet and sometimes there's awful. Well, hold on. Let me knock on Norwegian wood there. Not to use a, a pun way too early in this episode, but a little Beatles reference there for you. But I was having some internet issues earlier today and yesterday evening. So let's not let's not jinx it too much, Trav. <laughs> All right, we'll shut up about that. Guys, if you've been listening, you know, through September, we're in October now. We we had podcast gluttony. I guess podcast gluttony is just continuing to go on. We're going to try to continue to do five episodes a week. So you've already heard Jason on this podcast quite often. We've done some fantastic episodes. If you want to find them, you can get them at extrapackofpeanuts.com slash pods. They're all up on iTunes. Just some really fun, cool travel episodes that we got to do, right, Jason? I mean, the breweries one, all, all types of cool ones. Yeah, we've been mixing in a little bit of destination stuff, a little debatable topics. We did the the sports thing. We we it's just interesting because we don't prepare before these podcasts. So when I hear your list on a particular topic, it's the first time I'm hearing it and vice versa. So it's really interesting to see where everything falls on the on the top ten list or the top sixteens or whatever. And then I always have like a million honorable mentions because it's too hard to leave them out. I'm always breaking the rules too. So yeah, that's how we do it. Just what we do. We've we've learned too that with this many podcasts, you know, we can't 
over prepare because you just don't have time because we're just recording so many. And so they have taken on more of an ad hoc flavor, which I think you guys have really liked. I've gotten some emails saying that it seems like you guys are just having fun on the podcast and you're really just enjoying it. And that's why we're doing it because it is. It's super fun. It's super enjoyable. You can always give us feedback. We love that as well. You can email me, Trav, at Extra Pack of Peanuts, or you can tweet us at Pack of Peanuts. That would be great. Let us know what episodes you want us to talk about. I mean, Jace, we'll give it a try no matter what they mention, right? I'm a huge fan of the crowdsourced episode because, you know, people are spending their time listening. We want to give you what you want. You know, you want to hear us riff on any topics related to travel or debate, you know, your city versus your buddy's city. <laughs> we can get into it. We'll talk all day. We're both from Philly. So we, we that's how we do it. Yeah, we'll give anything a go. And today's episode actually comes from a reader. So a reader did email me or a listener, you know, reader, listener, it's all the same. You know, we're a multimedia company here now. It's podcasts, <laughs> it's videos, it's writing. So it comes from a listener who sent me an email who wanted us to touch on a specific topic. And this is a topic that's near and dear to my heart. It is the key to getting travel all over the world for very, very cheap. And that is about booking tickets, airline award tickets. So using frequent flyer miles to actually go through the process and book tickets. So I speak a lot about it on the website, but today we're going to kind of just give you an overview, a general idea of how you can do it and just touch on you know, the basics, like getting you to a level where you say, okay, yeah, I could go on and I could do that myself. And Jace, you're kind of at that level now. You, you've booked a few award tickets, but you're not as crazy down the rabbit hole as I am. No, it's, it is a huge thing. I'm just even learning a little bit can really take you a far away. And the last two tickets I booked to Norway were a combined total of under $100 using some of these strategies that we're going to talk about today and that Travis talks about in Frequent Flyer Bootcamp, which I highly recommend. I will say that because he's sitting here and uh, it was a great, great uh, place to learn some of this stuff. And Travis is the man when it comes to, to travel hacking or Travis hacking, as I'm starting to call it right now. <laughs> Sorry, Trav. I had to do it. Yeah, no problem. Hey, the bad puns, I expect them. That's why we have you on the show. Your redeeming quality, one of the redeeming qualities. You know, it sounds hokey, but the idea of frequent fire miles has really completely changed my life. And that's because I can travel. I can afford to travel. I can go anywhere I want. And so anyone listening to this who hasn't jumped on that bandwagon yet or who's started and thinks, okay, you know, how good is this really? It's amazing. I mean, just the case in point, me and Heather are flying one way to Southeast Asia, November 1st. We got really, really great deal on one-way tickets. It was like $175. And that's a whole nother story of mistake fares and things like that. But we don't have a ticket back and we don't really care because we know that we'll be flexible enough that we can book it back with miles. So if we want to come back in December, we can come back with miles and it's going to cost us under 100 bucks. Or if we want to come back in March, we can come back in March and that is an incredible, like an incredibly powerful thing to be able to do in this world. Yeah, it's super empowering. And the thing about it is, if you're like me, you know, some people listening may not want to get completely overrun because like you said, the rabbit hole goes very deep. So I was doing a bunch of research today and geeking out on it a little bit, but that's not everybody's cup of tea. Some people just want to earn a free flight save up for that trip and take a trip uh, in the summer, a backpacking trip or whatever you're doing. And it's pretty easy to earn 
just a free flight every year at, at the very bare minimum. If you want to ramp it up, you can get deeper. But if you're just starting out, I suggest just starting out with a goal of earning one free flight and dive into it a little bit like that. So you don't get overwhelmed with all these options. That being said, how you use the points on your card, or we're talking credit card points or frequent flyer miles is, is very key to maximizing where you can go, what you can do and what you're going to pay. And that's why we're going to get into this topic today. So I'm, I'm really pumped about it, man. And speaking of frequent flyers, before we get into this, Trav, you've been quite a frequent flyer yourself lately. You were, tell everybody where you've been. You've been kind of running all over the place here. I'll, I'll tell you what. I always say, do what I say, not what I do. And I always talk about traveling slow on these podcasts. And um, it has not been the case the last month, really. We spent a month in Breckenridge where we house sat. And if anyone's interested in house sitting, we just put up a bunch of posts as well as some podcasts about house sitting that you would find fascinating. And that was awesome. And you came and visited us in Breckenridge, Colorado, and it was great. It was a free place to stay for a month, a five-bedroom place with a hot tub. Just beautiful, fantastic. And so that was great because we slowed down. We got a lot of work done. It was really, you know, we could really engage ourselves in Breckenridge for a whole month. Then we went to Las Vegas for a conference for three days. Then we went to Portland, Oregon for three days. Then I went up to Washington State for kind of like a travel, like eight of us travel people in the industry got together and chatted and, and talked about how we could, you know, take our businesses and our websites to the next level. Then we came back and now we're in Philadelphia for two weeks before we head to Europe. So it's a little, we're going to do a podcast later about location independence and the joys of it, but the obstacles and challenges of it. And one of the biggest obstacles is when we come home, we don't have a great home base to be in. So right now I'm actually sitting in my childhood bedroom, which has been turned into my dad's <laughs> hunting room. So there's like bows and arrows, <laughs> rifles, camo all over the place. So, you know, we just record from wherever we want. So you're in a cabin in Norway and here I am in like a, uh, I don't know, just a, a funny room. I've got, I've got ammunition stuff all around me. It's, it's very strange. <laughs> Yeah, he's talking ammunition and bows, and but I'm pretty sure I saw your old teddy bear in the back corner. Was that was that your teddy bear from your childhood, or is that? I'm kidding. I don't see any teddy bears. I'm not going to call you out on that. But if I did, I would, Trav. So, just so you know, you've been warned. You might want to go sans video next time if we if you're in a <laughs> a certain location that's a little bit suspect. <laughs> yeah, we we haven't done video podcasts when it's been me and Heather. We've been recording from like a tiny bedroom, like in Portland, where we're crammed up next to each other, two mics sitting on the bed because there's nowhere else to record. So now we're giving you the behind the scenes look at uh, at life as a daily podcaster. So Jason. Oh yeah, that's it's insane. It's it's crazy. Uh, it's it's funny. All all rolled into one, and uh, I'm very happy that we did get this question from a reader. So let's you know at this point, let's dive into it. We've told people kind of why they should be listening about frequent fire miles. Both of us are huge mm -hmm. proponents. But let's kind of tell them how. So why don't you why don't you read to us the question that came from one of the EPOP listeners? Yeah, it was Jeff Barney, and he said it would be very nice on your podcast if you could cover the airlines award tickets. I think your listeners would really enjoy hearing more about the process of booking award tickets, like avoiding fuel surcharges, which airlines are best for flying from the US to country X, Y, or Z, and which airlines offer the lowest fare redemption for trips to countries A, B, C, etc. So it's a great question because it's essentially asking 
what's the best way to utilize, you know, you spend all this time getting these credit cards and earning these points and however you do it, whether you're, you're sitting on the plane for hours or however you accrue your points, you spend all this time doing it and you want to maximize the usage. So I kind of wanted to pick your brain on this trap so we could just pick apart this question and get a good comprehensive strategy to book tickets so people listening can go anywhere they want in the world for basically free I've always said that I didn't mean to cut you off there, Jace. Were you going to lead with a question? No. I was just going to start riffing on airline miles. You know, this could be like a three hour long podcast. It could. And that's why I think maybe we'll structure this up a little bit. So I think it's always good to take sort of an avatar. So let's say you have 100,000 or 80,000 miles saved up, you know, and you're looking at options. You want to travel somewhere you don't want to pay or you want to pay the least amount for your flight, if anything at all, where to get started. First of all, where do you decide, how do you decide what your miles are worth and when you should use the awards points? And then just going from there, can you riff a little bit since you use the word riff on actually taking the steps to maximize those points and to cash them in in such a way that you're paying as little as possible? Yeah, the very first step, and and you mentioned it earlier on, was that you know people should focus on one trip. And I always tell people when you start earning miles, and we're not going to talk a lot about earning miles on here because a lot of you already know how to do that. But when you start earning miles, go in with a goal. Don't say I want to earn a hundred thousand American Airlines miles or a hundred thousand United miles. Go in with like I want to go to Italy. I want to go to Australia because it makes it real. And I think that's important. Now, whether you end up going to that place or not, maybe maybe it changes over the six months that you're getting miles or the year or whatever it is, but always go in with a goal. And, and I love people starting by thinking of their destination because it kind of just motivates them to go further. As far as figuring out then, once you have the miles, where you can go, that's really important because every airline is different. And I've mentioned this before in the podcast, but think of airline miles as a currency. So if someone said to you, I'll give you 100 British pounds or 100 Japanese yen or 100 US dollars, you would figure out which is more valuable before you made the decision. And that's how airline miles are. They, some are more valuable than others for certain trips. And I, I'll link up a post in the show notes here that you'll be able to go to. We'll just call it com slash award tickets. Let's call it that. You know, that, that I kind of list why certain miles are better than others. And I go into more detail about that. But that's one of the things you want to know. To find out how many miles you need to go somewhere, there's a great website called miles.biz, M-I-L-E-Z dot B-I-Z. And again, we'll link all this up in the show notes. But that website is great because you can put in from Philadelphia to London and it'll spit out every airline in the world and how many miles it costs. So for example, it'll say, okay, you're going from North America to Europe. For United, that's 60,000 miles. For US Airways, that's 60,000 miles. For American Airlines, that's 60,000 miles. But for other airlines, it might be more or less depending on it. And that's where you want to start. So then you know how much your miles are worth. Then it becomes looking at how do I find availability? And that's the point that a lot of people give up on. Because earning miles is pretty easy, Jace. Like, okay, get a few credit cards, earn the miles. But then everyone says, you know, I've always had problems using them. 
So finding availability is the tricky part. And if you have an airplane and it's you split it up, you know they'll only open up about one third of the airline for these award tickets, which are tickets if you use frequent flyer miles. So it's not like you have free reign on on anywhere on the airline. Like if there's a seat, you can get it. They'll open up one third and they'll say, okay, you know, once these are booked, then you can't have availability with these miles. So miles are a little limiting in that aspect in that you have to try to get the ones that are available. A cool trick for that, Jace, is that 330 days is when they usually open up the tickets from when you want to fly. So almost a year in advance. So if you sit there and you know that you want to go to Europe in the summer, which is peak season for going to Europe, you know you're going to have to try to book 330 days in advance or as close to that as possible because you know anytime there's a big event, Olympics, you know Europe in the summer, World Cup, whatever, where there's a lot of people going to be going there, you want to try to book as quickly in advance as possible. Yeah, if you do book it, because this is a question I have because it's very hard for me to book that far in advance. And I'm sure others, like you said, you did it with the World Cup, I know, because you were considering going to the World Cup and you, you booked a ticket for like five bucks or something. Yeah, right? $5 to <laughs> which... go to Rio, which we end up not taking <laughs> for various reasons, but we booked exactly 330 days out. Like I knew, boom, 330 days out. I actually booked it. And then 329 days out, the next day, there was no availability for that flight. So that shows you how quick it, it can go. Is that at 12.01 midnight Eastern time or is there a science to that or how does that work? You know, it, it usually has to do with where the airline is located. So that's a great question. That I don't know the exact answer because each airline does do it differently. There are a few airlines that allow you to book it 360 days out. But the general rule for most North American airlines, the ones that we'd be using 330 days out. Um, and yeah, that for me, I woke up in the morning Eastern Standard Time and booked it. That might have opened up actually six hours ahead because it was British Airways when their clocks changed. I'm not exactly sure about that. Usually, I would say, though, if you're there 330 days out, like that'll give you the best chance. Okay. And if you're a last minute booker like me, or you mentioned, you know, you and Heather are going to Southeast Asia, you're like, hey, maybe we're going to catch a flight back. We're just not sure when. So now you're talking about maybe booking well inside that window. Can you just give a little bit of, I guess, suggestions or strategies on, on how to go about finding availability when you're more inside, a, say, like a two month or one month period? Yeah, it's a, it's it all comes down to flexibility. So I will say 330 days out, the tickets start. They will come in every once in a while. Like it's not just a slope downwards, right? Like we have 100 seats and now we have 90, you know, th- that happens, but occasionally they'll bump they'll put some more seats on and that's just based on their own algorithms and things like that. But when they when there's really the big bump is about 6 weeks out. They start to release more of these tickets to become award tickets because they know, okay, we haven't sold these as paid tickets and we have 70 seats left on the plane. We're six weeks out. There's probably not going to be that many people buying a ticket for this, right? We know that now people are pretty settled into what they're, where they're going to go. So they'll open up more tickets that are available then to be award tickets. So if you want to start looking six weeks out, that's another kind of big bump time. And if you're really close in, sometimes you just get lucky. Sometimes they just, you know, it could, you could look for something tomorrow and it might be available. Now the odds aren't great. And especially depending on the route, you know, they're not great, but it does happen. So you want to continuously check back and, and how to go about finding availability. 
You know, that gets a little technical, but I will tell you that if people don't understand airline alliances, that's one thing you have to know about. And that basically says that if you have United Miles, you can book on any Star Alliance partner. So that's like 27 airlines across the world. There's another alliance called One World. So if you have American Airlines Miles, you can book on One World. That's like 15 partners. And what that means is I have United Miles. I don't just have to fly on United Airplanes. I can fly on any of those partners. And if you go to united.com, it'll show you who you're flying on. So you might fly on Thai Airways if you're flying to Thailand or Singapore Airlines if you're flying to Singapore or something like that. So that's one thing that people should be aware of and that most people probably know. But just an FYI to newbies, you know, it doesn't mean you have to be on a United plane. You can be on any of those partner planes. But that's the key, right? To search through the Star Alliance, you have to yeah. almost unite. It's almost the master search engine. Yeah. What's, right? What sucks about airlines is that they are like stuck in the 1990s where you would think <laughs> there'd be a computer that, hey, this shows all the availability that, that there is. But for example, with United, it's lucky because you United.com is a great search engine and a great search function. So yes, that's kind of like the master list. If you go there, you'll be able to see all the partner airlines, all like 27 airlines and the availability on United.com. And you'll probably even be able to book it online unless it's a very complex itinerary you might have to call up. The, the problem becomes like American Airlines is a good example. They only show some of the partners. Why? Why they don't show Qantas on their, air, on their search engine, even though they're partners, I have no idea. It's because it's just, again, it's like we're stuck in a time warp Shady here. backdoor deals? Is that, is that what's happening? Who knows? I think it's just <laughs> apathy, man. I think it's apathy. I, I have yet to figure out why. I mean, airlines are trying, starting to get better. So for example, if you're searching on One World, if you have American Airlines miles and you just go to AA.com and search, you won't see all the options. So you won't see options to fly to Australia and New Zealand, for example, because Qantas is the airline that flies there and they don't show it on AA.com. So in essence, for the master list, you actually have to go to Qantas.com and search there. And we'll link up a video that shows you exactly how to do that. I've actually created a video because it's a little complicated. We'll link that up in the show notes as well. But yes, don't think that you can just go to that airline's website and look, and that'll give you all the answers because for whatever reason, it doesn't. Okay. So I want to dive a little bit deeper, but I want to clarify a couple things before we move on to some things like fuel charges and uh, some other questions around booking award tickets. When you are six weeks out, is it the same sort of philosophy as when you're 330 days out where you should literally look at the date 42 days from the day you are booking? Or are you just saying as a general rule, they start releasing six weeks out? So it's a good time to start. The latter, as a general rule. Each airline's different with it, but that seems to be a a rule that they kind of start to do. They won't do it. Like the 330 day out thing is like, basically cut and dry. You know, If you try to book 335 days out, it, it won't show up availability. I'd say there's no, you know, you can't book this far out. Whereas the six-week thing, it's just kind of a general rule that airlines start releasing them. Fair enough. And I wanted to ask quickly about cancellation because cancellation, I think, is key. If you have flexibility, you know you can cancel and get your miles back. Can you just speak a little bit about 
the risk you take when you decide to actually book a flight. And we'll get into like how to book the cheap flights and everything, but it's always good to know what your fallback options are in case the trip doesn't go off. Yeah, the good thing about miles is that there is more flexibility than paid tickets, and we'll talk about a few of the other ways that they're more flexible, but one is cancellation. Now, if I book a ticket to Europe and I just end up not being able to take it, then you are going to have to pay to get your miles back. So let's say I book a round trip to Europe, it's 60,000 miles in economy class, and I can't take it. Each airline, again, it operates under different rules. So just like we said, they might charge different amounts to go to different places. They also have different rules with the fares and cancellations and things like that. But general rule, you're going to pay 100 to $150 to cancel the ticket and get your miles back in your account. Now, if it's a ticket that's 60,000 miles, you know that's a round trip to Europe. Well, that, that ticket's probably worth 800 to a thousand dollars. So it yeah. makes sense to get those miles back. It almost always makes sense to get them back unless it's a really short haul domestic ticket that that would be cheap to buy anyway. Maybe it doesn't, but it you can cancel and you'll get them. You'll just pay a fee and they'll put your miles back in. The other thing to be aware of is when after you book an award ticket. The changes that are able, there are a few changes that are able to be made. You can't change the name on the ticket. So you can't say, Oh, I'm taking Jason up. Oh, I hate Jason now. I'm actually taking my friend Steve. You know, you can't change the names. You also can't change the, the routing. So you can't say, I'm going to go Philly to London and then change it to be, Oh, I'm going to go Philly to Paris instead. But you can change the dates. They are pretty flexible. Again, some airlines will let you do it for free. They all used to let you do it for free. Now they won't. Usually you're paying 25 to 50 to $75 to change the dates, but you can change the dates on the ticket. So for whatever reason, if you can't go in March and you have to push it until April, changing the dates is a lot easier than any of the other stuff. So that's one thing to be aware of as well. Sure. Uh, I wanted to get into. I don't some hate of the you, charges. Jason. I don't hate you. Uh, I'm yeah, sorry. Uh, am I, said I not that. coming on this trip all of a sudden? <laughs> this is really upsetting. I'm just finding this out now. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to talk about fuel surcharges, some of the charges that go on top of any award ticket. And I shouldn't say because they're, they're all a little bit different, but this is where it can get expensive. My dad got a little bit screwed on this on his trip to Europe because he just booked it before he called me. And I was like, dude. You should have called me first because I would have told you how to dad? avoid this. But anyway. Come on. It's the one thing yeah. I'm good at. Anyway, he took British Airways to Europe. And that'll all make sense of what uh. that means in just a minute. As Travis shakes his head because he's, he's probably seen this mistake one too many times. But certain airlines have certain fees involved, even with the award tickets. So although it's, I'm using air quotes now, listeners, free because you're using your miles, you get all these other charges. So how do you avoid these charges so you are paying $5 to go to Brazil like you did? Yeah, great question. This is the one of the most important things to learn about miles, but the thing that always gets overlooked by people until, as you mentioned, they get screwed and then they think, wait, what's going on? So it's one of... I, I wrote a whole series on this, like a four-part series. And I, well, again, we'll link that in the show notes and, and that'll go into more depth. But to be aware of fuel surcharges and, and, and the quote-unquote free tickets. So when you get... Use your miles you get the airfare portion or, or what they call the fare portion, F-A-R-E, for free. And then there are other miscellaneous things that go onto a ticket. So some of them you cannot get around. For example, 
you know, you fly into an airport and airport charges taxes and fees for the plane to go in and out. They give that on the passenger. So that's why it'll be more expensive to fly into London. Uh, it might be a hundred dollars a passenger or ninety versus if you fly into Spain. So that you can't get around. I mean, you can change where you're going to fly into. If you say I don't want to pay the hundred dollars to fly into London, I want to fly into, you know, somewhere else instead. I want to fly into Rome, and it's only seven dollars or fifteen dollars a person. You can do that. So that's one thing to be aware of. But most people aren't going to go out of their way for that. That's just. Uh, a part of the ticket you you can't really avoid. The big part that you can avoid, though, and this, like you said, is where people kind of get hung up, is the fuel surcharges. So what some airlines have started to do is they'll say, okay, you get, like, let's say if you bought the ticket, it was, let's use a round number, $1,000. They'll say the fare portion is $400. So that's what you're getting for free. But there's a thing called a fuel surcharge, and we're going to make that and they just make up a number. It's not how much the fuel actually costs them or else every airline, it would be almost the same. So British Airways will say, well, the fuel is $500. That's the portion of the ticket. And then the miscellaneous taxes are 100 So in essence, they're saying you get the fare portion for free. So 400 bucks. Yeah, here's your free ticket. But you have to pay for the fuel, 500 bucks, and the tax is 100 bucks. So then you're paying $600. Well, you don't want to burn your miles. And, and obviously, you're paying whatever the miles cost as well. You don't want to burn your miles on these ones that get the fuel surcharge tacked on. And they are changing. They don't change constantly. I won't say like every day they change. It's more like every year or two, an airline will make changes, usually for the worse for the customer. But as of right now, United, if you use United and you follow, I should I should mention this, you follow the rules of the airline whose miles you are using. So if you have United miles, you are safe. You can fly on any partner and you will get you will not have to pay the fuel surcharge. So, you know, whether I fly on United to Europe or I fly on Lufthansa or whatever, I don't pay the fuel surcharge. So United miles are awesome to get because you don't pay the fuel surcharge. So basically anywhere you're going, you're getting a ticket under a hundred bucks. Um, you're just paying the miscellaneous taxes and fees. U.S. Airways does not impose a fuel surcharge on the on airlines, so you're you're good with that. Now, American Airlines does, but it's only in very specific instances, and that would be like if you fly on a British Airways plane to Europe, you have to pay a fuel surcharge. So those are the three main ones that that you want to be aware of. They're all pretty good: U.S. Airways, United, and American Airlines. So. Those are the ones you want to be earning miles with. And we're not going to talk, like I said, too much about earning miles, but you want to be earning with them because then you know when you redeem them, you're not going to get hit with a fuel surcharge. British Airways is a little goofy. And I keep saying we'll link up posts, but there's so there's a lot of depth to this. So if you're interested, you want to really read about it. But British Airways will charge... This doesn't make any sense, Jace. This is weird. But they will charge fuel surcharges if you use their miles to fly to Europe, for example. Why? That's just how it is. But if you fly to South America, they won't. So for example, your father paid $500, $600 to go to Europe using British Airway miles. But for me to book that ticket to Rio, even though it was using British Airway miles they charged me $5 because there was no fuel surcharge on it. So for whatever reason, they dropped the fuel surcharge on certain flights. Those include going down to Central South America from the US, domestic trips in the US, going to Hawaii, that's kind of domestic, going to the Caribbean. So those are what you want to use British Airway miles for. If you try to use them to go to Asia or to Australia or to Europe, you're going to get hit with the fuel surcharge. So again, I have a nice pretty chart in there that explains it all, but that's a general overview, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, just to take your Rio example, because it's such a great real world example, because not only is it a big event, you booked it far in advance and you know, obviously just gave a good tip on British Airways. But how did you choose British Airways miles? Was that because you had American miles saved up and you decided to go under the American umbrella through British Airways? Or what was the decision making process there? Because that's another, sometimes people may be like, okay, yeah, I want to go to the World Cup. It's a year away. So who should I start accruing miles with? Right. Good question. And if you do accrue enough miles, and I tell people you want to get enough in your portfolio to book one trip, so you don't want to be too scattered. But once you get enough, let's say you have 80,000 United, you might want to start trying to diversify and say, well, I want to get some United miles, some American Airlines miles, so that, for because they're different alliances. So if United doesn't have availability, Maybe American Airlines does. You know, if you need a specific date or a specific time, that'll work. With going to Rio, I looked at all the miles I had, and you know, I have quite a lot now. And so I had I had enough American Airlines miles to get down there. I had enough uh, United miles to get down there. I had enough British Airway points to get down there. I had enough U.S. Airway points to get down there. So I had you know four options really, and I picked booking with British Airways for the simple fact that to me. All of them basically cost the same amount. And again, you can go to miles.biz and see, you know, sometimes one will cost 60 and one will cost 50. So that's a way to see too. If it costs less, use the one that costs less. For me, it was British Airway points aren't good for these other trips. They're not good for going to Europe. They're not good for going to Asia. So they're less valuable overall for me. So I'm going to use them to, you know, if it costs 50,000 British Airways or 50,000 American Airlines, I'd rather use and burn my British Airway ones because for this trip, because this is something they're good for, rather than burn the American Airlines and then have to use British Airways to go to Europe when I get hit with a huge fuel surcharge. So you want to tear them out, right? Like figure out which which are good for that trip and then which ones you'd rather use for something else later down the road. Yeah. And taking the top line view, just to kind of summarize everything you said, you're looking at United as almost the creme de la creme in the sense that you can kind of get a ticket almost anywhere in the world for under a hundred bucks. Is yes. that correct? United is my favorite at this point and chase points are my favorite points because they transfer one-to-one to United or they can be used as cash. You know, so like we don't have to get into that. You can read the article, we'll link up, but yes, United as far as frequent fire miles, I think are just the the easiest to start using because there aren't really any stipulations on where you can use them and where you're going to get hit with a fuel surcharge. Yeah. And, and what you just mentioned is exactly what I did to book the two flights to Norway was transfer the chase points into United Miles, which happens instantaneously, and then book through United. So I was able to get, to get those two tickets for under $90 combined, which is awesome. And then you got US Airways and American airlines and then probably British Airways to go to South America. And I'm glad you brought up that example because another part of Jeff's Jeff's question was kind of mentioning the best airlines to fly from the US to country X, Y, and Z or whatever. So do you have any sort of overall, again, top line, uh, I guess, suggested sure. rules or strategies? Yeah. You want to share those? Yeah. And, and with a caveat- can you, can you please? Yeah. With the caveat that this could obviously change. We're recording it you know, here, October or whatever, 3rd, 2014. If you're listening way in the future, you're, you're going to want to do a little research because it might have changed. But right now, going to Europe- United miles because of the fact that you don't you don't have to worry about British Airways and getting fuel surcharge. So United miles are the best. Going to Asia, United miles are very good. American Airlines are equally as good because again, no fuel surcharges on either of those. And I'm going to say American Airlines 
And I mean US Airways under that as well, because they will be merging. So eventually, they're going to be the same thing. So let's just go that way. Going to South America, any of the airlines, but if you have British Airway points, you might as well use them for this trip, as we mentioned. Going to Australia... It's really wherever you can find availability. Going to Australia is very difficult because a lot of people, it's expensive tickets. So a lot of people want to use their miles to get it. But United can get you there. American Airlines can get you there. Neither will charge fuel surcharges. That's kind of the overall view. Uh, Going to Africa, again, kind of whatever has availability, um, especially if you're going somewhere remote, it's just going to come down to, well, does United, if you're going really remote, does United even have partners that fly here? Or does American Airlines even have partners that fly here? If they do, neither should have fuel surcharges on them. Although if you're on British Airways, if you use American Airlines miles on British Airways, you'll get hit with a fuel surcharge there. So United kind of overall very good. American Airlines you know, just below that, a few trouble spots you want to watch out for them on. And then British Airways, you know, really good for specific things, but not so great for other things. Mm -hmm. I think that's great. And again, just going back to the person that gets a bit overwhelmed because it can be overwhelming. I think these are just, this is a really actionable episode and these show notes are going to be insane. I mean, they could (laughs) almost be their own probably book on the Amazon Kindle or something. I mean, it's just, it's great stuff. So you got to check out these show notes. At, what was it? Extrapackpenis.com slash award tickets. Is that yeah, what you're we'll do with? award tickets. Yeah. A-W-A-R-D-T-I-C-K-E-T-S. For those of you who can't spell award tickets. I think I got that right. Just go there. Yeah. Hopefully that works. It's so much stuff and it's really giving you the basic strategies that I use and you use probably 95% of the time, right? To get free tickets. Exactly. This is meant as an overview. If you're feeling overwhelmed, that's okay. The idea is to get you thinking, like to, to hear some of this stuff first so that you just get an idea. And I don't expect you to memorize everything we've said here. That's why I've written so many posts about these different questions, fuel surcharges, you know, which points are the best? How do I find availability? Because each one of them is a is a its own thing. And if you are looking to get more information on that, we've done a really good job. I mean, I'm going to toot my own horn here. I mean, come on. We, we've done a good job just explaining it in the post because it is some difficult concepts. So this is an overview. Jace, we didn't want to blow their brain off too much, you know, with too much information, I like steam coming out of the ears and everything. <laughs> but an overview. Um, yeah. Th- well, we've talked about this in the past. I, I'm sorry sure. I mean to interrupt, but it's, it's investing your time. I mean, if we're talking about listening to this show, maybe going into the back catalog a little bit, listening to a couple shows on collecting miles or which cards to use, which I know you address in various episodes that you can link out to in these awesome show notes. But you know, investing a little bit of time if you're new to this, or even if you're not new, but you just want to learn the best way to cash in your points, think about it. You're putting in maybe two or three hours of your time, maybe a little bit more even, but if you can book a $1,200 plane ticket for $41, like I just did pretty recently, or a $5 plane ticket to Rio, you know, it's, is that not worth your time investment? It absolutely is. I, I mean, it's, it's incredibly powerful and you don't need to dive so deep that you drive yourself in, insane. You don't need to dive into all these forums and go crazy. You just need to focus on a few airlines and a few strategies and you're, you're going to be rolling with it. I promise you. Yeah. If you're someone who I, and that's exactly what I tell people, two or three hours to get the basics. And then you can dig deeper. You can do crazy stuff called 
uh, stopovers and open jaws where you get two or three vacations for the price of one. So instead of going brief overview on that, instead of going Philly to London and then London back to Philly, you would go Philly to, and that'd be 60,000 miles. You go Philly to London, London to Paris, Paris to Madrid, back to Philly. That'd be 60,000 as well. So that's crazy advanced stuff. We'll link that up as well, just in case you're listening and you're like, ah, I know the basics. I want to go deeper. But yeah, two to three hours to do the basics and you know the return on investment to use a businessy term there is in my <laughs> mind phenomenal me and heather if i had to estimate would i could probably say that we have gotten in the last 3 years over $50,000 worth of free flights, maybe possibly even upwards of $100,000 of free flights. And that's not even saying, oh, we flew business class because we usually fly economy class. You know, that's just a ton of flights. So if you're someone who makes more than, you know, $25,000 an hour, well, good on you. Do whatever you're doing and pay for the flights. But if you're someone who's sitting in a rural cabin in Norway or uh, your father's gun closet, then uh, this might be <laughs> this might be worth your time because you're probably not making the $25,000 an hour. Absolutely. And on that last point, you kind of mentioned, you know, if you're listening in the future, this thing may change. So obviously, airline rules are always changing. Redemptions are always changing. But I also wanted to add to that. If you're listening in the future, can you please send us an email or give us a call with the winning lottery numbers from the future so we can bring you even more podcasts and just have a little bit of extra cash in our pockets to maybe you know, book some more flights. That, yeah. that would be fantastic. Those of you in the future. <laughs> yeah, then we can afford to pay fuel surcharges. Then it doesn't matter at all. <laughs> exactly. So there we go, guys. I mean, that's a general overview. I, I'm going to say one last thing. I always this happens. One more thing to be aware of, and this is a cool trick as well. Off peak award charts. Only American Airlines has this right now, but this is crazy. It's one thing I didn't mention during the meet of it. Um, basically, what it says is, if you want to go to Europe, you can go to Europe from October to May, and instead of it costing you sixty thousand American airline miles, if you go off peak October to May, which is basically half the year, it is half the year, it's only 40,000. So there's some really cool value with American Airlines off-peak awards, whether they continue to keep them in because they're a pretty unique thing that only they do. Let's hope they continue to keep them. Uh, they might not. We'll see. But um, if they do, take advantage of them. You can go to Japan off-peak. It's like six months out of the year is off-peak to Japan, and it's 50,000 instead of 65,000. So that's one more thing to be aware of if you're using American Airlines miles. Try to take advantage of their off-peak awards. Yeah, I don't know about you, but I I prefer traveling off-peak anyway. The, the, the times they sketch out are always less crowded. It's more inexpensive. It's easier to get accommodations. The weather is usually not as bad as it's made out to be. Oftentimes, it's better if you go right on the cusp of the shoulder season, they call it, which is right, you know, say at the end of the summer, but you're just dipping into September or October. You get awesome weather and it's just a great time to travel. So yeah, that's a great point. I'm glad you brought it up. Definitely take advantage of the off-peak. Love the off-peak. Dude, I think we just came up with another show topic, off-peak travel and why it rules. Maybe, maybe you'll be hearing that pretty soon as well because we could dive into that as well. 
maybe we're going to record it in two minutes right after this ends. Take it away, Trav. Possibly, possibly. So guys, really appreciate you listening today. I hope we were able to touch on um, some of the questions you had in your head about frequent flyer miles and give you a brief overview. Again, check out the show notes. Everything we talked about is going to be linked up there in much more detail. So again, you're probably going to want to look over this stuff and and read it out and save it and bookmark it so that you can go back to it. That's always a thing that I've found. If I find a really good post, bookmark it. Go back to it. We don't expect you to remember everything. I forget stuff from time to time with this stuff as well because it's, you know, there's a lot of rules to remember. So, Jeff, thank you so much for sending in the question, for spurring us on to do this podcast and this whole episode. Everyone else who's listening, if you have questions, please send them in. Trav at extrapackofpeanuts.com. Or if you have show themes or a guest you want us on, you can tweet us at Pack of Peanuts. We want your suggestions. Jason and I's brain go a mile a minute, sometimes with good ideas, sometimes with bad ideas. So if you can supplement our good ideas with some of your own good ideas, that'd be much appreciated. Right, Chase? Absolutely. Ed, should we sign off here? Yeah. So that's it, guys. Again, thanks for the love. Um, Thanks for everything. We love iTunes reviews. So if you want to do one of them, hey, feel free. We'll maybe put it as a featured review. We always love those. I I always keep saying, Jason, give you and Heather and my sister Gail and all these awesome guests who are coming on some love because... You know, all these reviews were when I was doing the show solo, and they're like, Travis is a great podcast. That feels good. Pat on the back for me, but you guys are killing it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, thank you. I mean, I don't, I don't know if I'm killing it. I'm, I'm agreeing with you that Heather's killing it. Uh, I'm, I'm just trying to hold my own here, but no, I appreciate that. That's, that's very nice, and I guess the sign-off is happy free travels, but I have to say, with minimal fuel surcharges. Yeah, Happy as well. Almost right? free travels for real. Yeah. That's, there you that's go. For, guys. for absolutely for real with this episode, it's happy free travels for reals. Awesome question, Jeff. Thanks, guys. Happy. Take care. Free travels. Free travels.